0: Hope this morning, God, that you would be lifted up, that you would be glorified. God, that through our praise, you feel the worth and the value that you are to us, because you are a great king. Be with us this morning, Father. Let your presence fall heavy on us, and that we can feel your greatness, and we can feel your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go and have a seat.
1: just another good morning and welcome to Southwoods christian church we're so glad you're here today i say this a lot but there's a lot of places you could choose to be on a sunday morning and this is your best option by the way so thanks for joining us if you're online we welcome you in as well just want to go through a few announcements real quick my name is tara Um, we've had a busy week and as we get into the holiday season there is a lot going on as well all this information is at our website which by the way is um, still under construction Um, so in the connect card in front of you in the seat in front of you you'll see a card down low if you're new here today and you want to fill that out and put it in the back on your way out just to let us know a little bit about you that's great Um, but if you also just want to take your phone out scan that QR code uh, through your um, camera It just takes you to a direct link to everything that's happening here at the church. Again, under construction right now, so not everything is there yet, but it will be soon. Um, And that's just one way for you to stay connected in addition to checking out the back. Um, We had Trunk or Treat on Friday, and for those of you who came out and attended and helped, it was an incredible event. Well over 120, 30 kiddos came through, and it was just a lot of fun. With that said, we gave out pumpkins, and we have a lot left over. So if you would like to take one, to 20 pumpkins home, they are also back by the information booth, and they are uh, yours for the taking. They have an actual sticker on them that says Southwoods if you want to take one to your neighbor and invite them to church sometime, that's great. So those are back there, and so just watch your step, but please take as many as you'd like. Uh, We also want to let you know that the season is upon us for Operation Christmas Child. We've been doing this for a very long time, and um, some people call it the shoe boxes, and that is just an opportunity for us to gather up some some supplies, some things for kiddos in other countries, and we ship them off to them, and they have an incredible Christmas, knowing that Jesus loves them, and somebody around the world loves them, and we have an opportunity to bless them in that way. The information they again in the back take a peek and it has the deadlines and all of that information so next week uh, is november crazy to think but that will also be something that we do a lot around here which is the coat drive the winter coat drive details are up here and uh, go through your closets check what you have if you've got something you can donate to be a blessing bring it in here and uh, the boxes next week will be in the back and we can just keep filling them up also next week is daylight savings by the way, just as a little reminder that that is next week. And um, I do want to mention that our sweet Kate here with her, I don't know if you guys know she was pregnant, but she is. And she's expecting a baby in just a few short weeks. So she's going to take a few months off, understandably, and we'll see her after the first of the year. So we wish you well, you and Riley and Jace for your new sweet baby. And uh, we'll see you in January or February. (laughs) All right. Um, We're glad you're here to worship. If you would stand up with me, um, we're going to dive right in. And I just want to offer this reminder. Um, It was something I was reading this week. Um, I find, and I hope you do too, that there is huge comfort knowing that God, our creator, doesn't follow a clock, doesn't follow time per se. You know, he has proven time and time again that he can do anything, at any time, for anyone, period. Let me say that again. He can do anything, for anyone, that includes you, at any time, period. Because you matter to him. Regardless of where you are in life, you matter, And you are important and you are worth his son dying. That's how important you are. So, an encouragement you're a child of God, you're a child of love. We're gonna sing about that here in a second. And I just want you to believe that this morning. If you find yourself in any situation, come see us afterwards, all right? And we'll talk you through it. Otherwise, let's sing this. You all know it, so let's sing it nice and loud. Are you ready? Here we go. I was walking the wrong side, lost on a lonely road. I was chasing the high life, trying to satisfy my soul. But all those lies I believed in left me crying. Like then I saw lightning from heaven, and I'll never be the same. Sing it out. I'm gonna climb
2: the mountain. You we know.
0: of juice and bread we're going to take communion here in a little bit so feel free when you're walking around to grab that if you haven't yet we're going to sing one more song and then we're going to take communion so feel free to get that so you can partake with us Thank you Of us, you created each of us. And God, you know the perfect plan. You know what's best for us. God, help us to trust you this morning. God, if there's there's fear or trepidation or just pride, God, help us to let that go and trust you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat and go ahead and take communion.
3: Well, good morning. good morning. And welcome again, the third time. Welcome again to Southwoods. We're so glad to see you here. So glad that you have joined us this morning. And for those of you who are joining us online, we do welcome you as well. Thank you for tuning in. My name is Lori Montague. I'm Pastor Greg's wife, for those of you who don't know me. And um, I'm so grateful to have the opportunity today to teach. Uh, you might not know this, but Greg's mother of, of uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. After 52 years has decided to sell her house and to move into a brand new independent living apartment. we're very excited for her. but Greg is down there today and helping out and doing the Sun thing and uh, they're having a good time walking through a lot of memories and you know just enjoying time together. so Greg is there, but I am here to uh, share with you a little bit today on this whole idea of staying fear, free of fear. That's what we're going to be talking about. As you know, the last three weeks, if you've been here, and if you haven't, you can check out these uh, messages on our website. For the last three weeks, uh, Greg's been talking about fear. He's talked about the good, the bad, and the ugly. That's the way we kind of this last uh, series and uh, he spent some time discussing you know a little bit about what those fears are as the Bible teaches us and today what we want to do is a little bit further application of that series. We're not really extending the series but we want to talk a little bit more about when we identify these fears in our lives how can we find freedom from them and how can we also stay free. I don't know if you noticed, but it's Halloween weekend, isn't it? Halloween weekend. We had a lot of fun here the other night with the children. Trunk or treat. And Halloween, in many ways, has become kind of a holiday holiday for fear. Have you noticed that? A holiday for evil, kind of the ugly kind of evil. I recently read a blog. I do a lot of reading, you know, and one of my old friends, I've followed him for over almost 40 years now. He's a pastor in Louisville, Kentucky. His name is Bob Russell, and he was writing, and these are the words that he wrote. He said, I am troubled by the excessive, seemingly over-the-top celebration of Halloween in recent years, He says, I've noticed that weeks in advance of Halloween, stores and homes everywhere are decorated with extravagant displays of skeletons and witches and zombies and vampires and blood and grave. And he says this fascination with death, this fascination with darkness, I don't think it's good is what Bob said. He said, I'm concerned about America and our attraction to evil. And I have to say, as I read his words, I had kind of been feeling this a little bit myself. I, too, am concerned. And I don't know if you've noticed, it's not just at Halloween. If you've looked around at some of the upcoming movies or television shows or video games or books that we're, you know, invited to read, there's a lot of evil right now just being promoted in the culture. There's a dark theme just kind of running through it all. And while on the surface, you might say, oh, come on, Lori, it's just entertainment, It's harmless, it's innocuous, it's not going to hurt us. But what I've found in my own life and in the lives of others that I've ministered to is that when we continually open the door, you know, again and again to these kind of evil or darker things, it has the potential to develop kind of irrational fears, irrational and unfounded fears. It has the potential to develop kind of poor attitudes in us. Poor patterns of thinking, if you will. It has the potential to um, just you know, develop bad attitudes that lead to bad habits. Habits that hurt us and then habits that actually have an effect on those that we love as well. And it is happening. Just this week I saw a statistics on a recent poll and this is what it said. 65% of Americans feel like the last few years, probably because of the pandemic and everything associated with that, uh, feel like they uh, are in an identity crisis. Interesting. 68% of them feel defeated. 61% of them feel alone or isolated. And half of them said, I'm just hopeless. I feel hopeless. Now, you hear those statistics and you say, Lord, that's kind of bad news, and it is. <laughs> And as a Christ follower, and as Christ followers here, we all know what the Bible says about evil, and we've been spending three weeks talking about the good and the bad and the ugly of fear, which really originates with the evil one. God did not send fear into this world, not the ugly kind. And we know all kinds of scriptures that we've learned. Like here's one that you probably learned when you were a little child. James says, resist the devil. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Very easy to understand idea. Another time, the Apostle Paul writes about the same idea and cautions us. And he says, as children of light, you've been singing about that, have nothing to do with the worthless deeds of the evil one and darkness. Have nothing to do. Close the door." Jesus, even when he was here, he talked about it really plainly in John 12. And he says, children, walk in the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the light will, oops sorry, those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going, obviously. Put your trust, though, he says, in the light while there is still time. And of course, we know that Jesus said he is the light of the world. And perhaps you're thinking, okay, I know those verses, Lori, and I do those things. I I try to walk in the light. I try to to stay away from the darkness at every turn. And yet I still find myself sometimes struggling with irrational fears, unfounded fears. I still find myself struggling sometimes with patterns of thought. I still find myself struggling with habits that hurt me and actually hurt those that I love. Why? Why is it? Well, as you've studied the last three weeks, you know that evil is evil, and there is an ugly side to fear that originates with the evil one. He wants to mess up our lives, He wants to make our lives ugly, and He's very good in many ways at doing that. The Bible tells us that uh, He tells lies. He tells lies. Jesus, when he was here, again, he said this, when the devil lies, he speaks his native language. Isn't that interesting? When the devil lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and he is the father of all lies. In other words, he was lying in the garden when he encouraged Adam and Eve to sin, and he's continued to lie. In fact, I don't think he can even tell the truth, is what Jesus is saying here. And sometimes what happens is we somehow hear these lies, we listen to them, they get in our heads, we believe them, and sometimes we even act on those lies. The other thing I've noticed about the devil is that we sometimes open the door because we don't even realize what's happening. The Bible says that not only is he a liar, but he's also a lion. We've looked at this passage recently. He's a very fierce and dangerous animal. Second Peter says it like this, stay alert, another translation says stay sober, watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Here's what he does, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so do you see what we're up against? We're up against a lying lion <laughs> who is interested in whispering lies to you so that you'll open the door so that he can devour you. Now, I want to tell you, friends, and I want you to hear this loud and clear, that this has never been the intention of our Heavenly Father. This is not what he desired for his children. This was not. And as we enter the process today that I'd like to share with you about finding freedom and staying free from these kinds of things in our lives, I want you to know, and we must understand, that it was not God. It was not God who brought pain or hurt into the world. It is, in fact, God, though who has graciously and mercifully surprised us by providing for us grace and freedom through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so today I'd like to just share with you this idea of how do we become free, how do we stay free from these fears and these attitudes and these habits that maybe we've developed. And the pathway, if you're taking notes to freedom, starts with a letter R. <laughs> and the first word I'd like to share with you is to remember. So if you're taking notes, you can write down number one, remember. I've noticed that throughout Scripture, the Old Testament, often the children of God are reminded of who they are, and they're told to remember. Remember who you are. And they remember that they're children of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, Why is that important? Because they are children of a promise, a covenantal promise that God made with Abraham. And by the way, it's a promise that still exists to this day. And so they're invited to remember who they are. They are children of a promise. And not only does God encourage us to remember who they are and who we are, but also who he is and by, you know, association, whose we are. And so we remember that they are children of a great God. A great God who went to Egypt and delivered them from slavery. And he delivered them out of slavery and into freedom. And then when you read the Old Testament, you see these stories again and again. Why? So that they won't forget. It's similar to the way we do with our own children. We remind them who they are. Do you ever do that? Remind them who they are. Remember, you remind them why you name them what you name them, what their name means. Maybe you remind them of your family name and your ancestors and where you come from. And you tell the stories to their rolling their eyes in their head. We know this. We know this. But we want them to remember, right, who they are and whose they are and who they belong to. And we tell the stories again and again. It happens again in the New Testament as well. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, he starts with this word, remember. Remember, you once were full of darkness, but now, he says, you have light. You have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. For this light within you produces only what's good. It produces only what's right. It produces only what's true. Paul's reminding them and us as well that yes, we once were in darkness and without Jesus, we would still be in darkness. But we're children of light and so we can bring that light to every aspect of our dark world. We can bring that light to every aspect of our dark lives. Another time in scripture... The Apostle John, he also wants us not to forget who we are. And so he writes in 1 John chapter 4, he says, But you, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory because the spirit who lives in you is way greater than the spirit who lives in this world. I learned this in fourth grade at Round Lake Christian Church Camp. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's an amazing passage of scripture, and it ought to boost your identity. John also does another amazing thing, one of my very favorite passages of scripture, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, when he says, Do you want to see how much the Father loves you? He has lavished his love upon us, for he calls us his children. That's how much he loves us. And John says, and that's who we are. I don't just call anybody my children. You don't either. But God has loved us so much that he's changed our identity, brought us out of darkness, and called us his children. And so as we remember who we are and what we're made for, we also remember our Heavenly Father. I've already alluded to him. He is the one who went to Egypt and brought the children of Israel out of bondage, out of slavery, and brought them into freedom. But we could truly spend the whole day, if you wanted to, just talking about who our God is. There are so many names throughout Scripture. There are so many things that he's done. There are so many ways that we could extol his greatness, as Psalms tells us to do. But whenever I'm doing this kind of study on freedom, i like to remind you of one of the most important names of our God. Our God is Jehovah Rapha. Have you ever heard it? R-A-P-H-A. It's a Hebrew word, and it means the one who heals. Our God is Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. It can also be translated the one who makes us whole, the one who uh, does repair the one who mends, the one who restores. And you know, when we're talking about these fears that we've maybe opened the door to, or these lies that maybe we've believed along the way, or these habits that have kind of gotten into our life and are hurting us and others, we are in need of Jehovah Rapha. We are in need of a God who can heal us. And so we begin the process of freedom by first remembering, remembering who you are. You are a child of God. And remembering who God is. He is the God who heals. Next, we move on to respond. Number two, we're going to respond and we're going to reveal. Now, again, throughout the Bible, again and again and again, we are often encouraged to respond to the name of Jesus. Paul says it like this in Romans chapter 10. He says, everyone, did you hear that? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls or responds to the name of the Lord will be saved. Another time in the scripture, I like this, this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 4, the disciples have just done a miracle, Peter and John, and they've caused this lame man to walk, and they did it how? In the name of Jesus. And the leading authorities of that day, the <clears throat> Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't like it, and they said, don't do that anymore, and please don't speak the name of Jesus anymore. And then Peter and John respond this way, there is, there is no one else that gives salvation. There is salvation and no one else. God has given, he says, no other name under heaven by which we might be saved. The name of the Lord is important. Another time in scripture, it says one of these most beautiful passages of scripture that we think actually was an early hymn for the church. Philippians chapter 2, listen to this and look for the name of Jesus. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name of, Above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our heavenly Father. There's power in the name of Jesus Christ. I noticed it even this morning as we were singing. And we sing songs all the time here at Southwoods about the precious name of Jesus, the saving name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, the wonderful name of Jesus. Just last week, Wesley and the team were leading us, and they sang a new song. And it goes like this, I just want to speak the name of Jesus. I want to speak the name of Jesus, the song says, over every heart and every mind, because I know there is peace within your presence, and so I speak Jesus. It goes on, it says, I just want to speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring that there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. And then the chorus says, Your name is power. Your name is healing, Rafa. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus, the song says. Over fear and over anxiety, to every soul that might be held captive by depression, I speak Jesus. Isn't it a beautiful song? It's a beautiful song because there's power in the name of Jesus Christ. The apostles knew it and they used it to heal a man who couldn't walk. And he walked. And so, as we respond to the name of Jesus, literally saying the name of Jesus aloud and calling out to the Father, He will bring help. He will bring healing for those things that we've been talking about. It might sound something like this Father God, I know you're my healer, and I come today in need of some help. I need healing, I need freedom. And so I respond to you, Father, through the powerful name of Jesus. I speak the name of Jesus. I invite the name of Jesus into my home, into my marriage. I speak it over every aspect of my life. And I believe that as we respond in the name of Jesus, he hears us. He hears us. And secondly, then, he invites us to invite him To reveal. To reveal, you know, what are some of the specific areas in my life where I really need you, Lord? I need healing. I want healing. What are the areas? I love uh, this prayer of King David. You know that I love this prayer in King David. Psalm 139. This is the king of Israel. And he says to God, search me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. And then would you lead me? Would you lead me in the way everlasting? It's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? It's a very important prayer. It's a big prayer. Because essentially what David was asking, and when we say that prayer or we sing that prayer, we are asking the Lord to investigate. We're asking him to investigate our innermost thoughts, the things that we think about. We're asking him to kind of shine a searchlight, if you will. If you ever lost something, then you get a flashlight, and then you're like, oh, there it is. We're asking him to shine a searchlight on our intentions and our thoughts and to reveal to us those areas that might need to change. And as believers, you might say, I don't know, wow, this is a scary prayer. I don't know if I want to go through this. But as believers, we can. We can have confidence asking the Lord to search our hearts and to reveal to us those things. Why? Because we know that if we confess our sins, what? He is faithful and he is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the second step in this whole process of finding freedom, after we have remembered who we are and we have remembered whose we are, the second step is this whole idea of inviting the Lord to reveal to reveal those areas. It moves us on to the third aspect of freedom, which I like to call repent and remove. Repent and remove. And here's how it works. Because we've responded to the name of Jesus and God begins revealing these areas gently, he does, gently he reveals these areas in our life, we start to acknowledge them. And then we're asked to repent of them. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but often throughout the Bible, this word repent comes up. And a lot of times we kind of see it as a negative thing. But there's so many good things about repentance. We could look at a lot of scriptures, but today I want to just draw your attention to Acts chapter 2. Again, this is Peter. And if you've been to Israel with us, we always highlight this when we're in Israel. We sit on the south steps of the temple. It's a very special and sacred place because it's where Acts 2 happened and we imagine Peter sitting on those steps and he does an amazing sermon that day you can read about it in Acts chapter 2 an amazing it says he's full of the holy spirit and he preaches to the people in such a way and so much that the bible says that they were convicted in their hearts and they interrupt the preacher and they say this in Acts 2:38 brothers what should we do to be saved and then Peter responds with repent first word out of his mouth repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit repentance means to be sorry you know to be sorry for the things that we've done if you've ever raised children and you've asked your son now tell your brother you're sorry I'm sorry that's not really what we were going for, right? Not true repentance. Repentance also carries with it this idea of not only being sorry, but also turning away from our sin. Turning 180 degrees away, away from that thing that the Lord gently reveals to us. And so in our prayers for freedom, as those areas are gently revealed by our Heavenly Father, if we truly want to find freedom, and here's kind of the big if, if we really and truly want to be free from those fears and those lies and those habits that hurt, it's here that our Father asks us to turn away. To turn away from those things. In my own life, I have found it again and again and again that when the Lord asks me to repent of something, He also asks me to remove. To remove the thing that is, you know, the problem. (laughs) He often does. I remember years ago I determined sugar was a problem for me, it still can be a problem for me, for a number of reasons. So I went through our pantry and I was like the Jewish people that remove every bit of leaven, you know, during the unleavened bread, and I removed every bit of sugar in that pantry, anything that had sugar. I pulled it out. Greg came home and he's like, What happened? <laughs> he was not all that happy about it. Because God hadn't told him to remove sugar from his life. And we shared the same home in the same pantry. But after I explained to him. My reasonings, he began to understand. And truth is, we understand this in the physical, don't we? We understand maybe that we need to remove sugar or gluten or red meat or corn syrup or all the different things that these days we are challenged to remove. And we do a really good job at that. And so as the Spirit of God, your Heavenly Father might reveal to you, this is an area of your life I want you to repent of, turn away from, and I think I really want to have you remove that from your life. Let's not hesitate. Let's not hesitate. So what are some of the things that he might reveal? Well, perhaps it's a pattern of thought. We've all grown up with these patterns of thought. Maybe it was something your mother always said. Maybe it was something that your family always said. Maybe it was something that was said over you. Maybe it's something that you just picked up along the way, and it's a pattern of thought, and it's your go-to when things are hard, and you just think that thing. And you go there and you just keep thinking it and then it just cycles. And I'm doing this because this is what happens to me. I get on some patterns of thought and I just almost get all wrapped up inside that thought and I get anxious and I get fearful and I can even just be sad. But I have to stop that pattern of thought. And so here's sometimes what I've encouraged people to do. I identify that pattern of thought and I surrender it to the Lord. I repent of it. And then to remove it from my head... I don't want to do brain surgery, but I write it down. I write that down. And years ago, literally, we used to burn it in a little can. Now I have a shredder. Do you have a shredder in your house? And it's a beautiful thing to see that thing, which is all this cycling towards fear and anxiousness, just to be shredded, shredded by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, that has now been deselected from my brain. Lord, help me not to think it again. I have removed it, right? It might not be a pattern of thought for you. Maybe it's a hobby. Hobbies can be good things in our lives, but sometimes they can take first place. I remember years ago, I was teaching this on a Wednesday night uh, as a seminar kind of thing, and we were working through each of these steps, you know, a week at a time, and one of our fellows came up to us after this step, and he said, Lori, the Lord encouraged me this week and revealed to me that I need to remove golf, 18 holes and I'm going to remove 18 holes from my week and I was like wow because I knew this guy I said wow praise the Lord that that's a really big sacrifice so you're giving up golf no I still have another 18 holes that I do every week but I am going to remove that other 18 holes (laughs) I said well that that's a start he was reducing right Maybe not completely removing, but he was reducing. And why? I said, why, do you, why, do you, why did he reveal this to you? It's taking time away from my family. It's, it's causing problems in my marriage. I, I can't always be a church. I can't do the things that I think the Lord would rather I do. So it might be a hobby in your life that he will reveal. It could be an app on your phone. These things that are kind of fun and wonderful, but they take time, and some of them are just not good for us. It might actually be your phone. It might actually be that the Lord would reveal to you, can you give up your phone? for a few hours every day maybe a certain amount of time every week maybe it is certain foods maybe it is alcohol because every time you indulge in alcohol it's just uh it's a slippery slope maybe it's television programming I've noticed that during the pandemic we got kind of connected didn't we to some of these series and things and boy wow we enjoyed them and that was fun but look now what maybe the Lord would say hmm I'm going to reveal to you a television show. Maybe it's activities. Maybe it's certain groups of friends. Whatever it is that God reveals to you that is contributing. And notice that I say contributing because it maybe isn't necessarily evil in itself, but it might be the thing that contributes to the fear or the anxiety or the depression and the pain. Seek God's help to successfully repent of it and remove it from your daily life. And just in case you're saying, I don't know, Lord. Is that really necessary? Really? I can handle it. I can handle it. I don't need to remove it all together. I want to remind you that our Lord has done some removing. He has done some removing. The Bible tells us in Psalm 103, here's what he's done. He has removed our sins from us. As far as the east is from the west, that's a long way. That's a big thing. He has gone to great lengths. <laughs> to remove our sin from us, can't we, when he invites us to, you know, remove some things from our life that are contributing to the fears, can't we do the same thing? And then next in the process, we come to a couple more R words. Number four, we replace those things that we've removed with truth, and we ask the Lord to redeem. We replace and redeem This is a very common sense step. We don't even need to take much time here because as we remove those things that are holding us back, let's replace them with good and godly things in our lives. When it comes to our thoughts, those thoughts that I was cycling on that cause all kinds of trouble, Paul writes about our thoughts. I love this scripture. You know it. Philippians 4, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Think about those things. In other words, if your thoughts don't add up to what's in that verse, if they're not on that list, then you probably need to maybe remove those thoughts. They need to go. And so let's spend some time just, you know, replacing our thoughts. How do you replace your thoughts? Well, you do it with scriptures, if you've believed lies about yourself or lies about others, then you replace it with the truth, the beautiful truth of scripture. Years ago in women's ministry, we did this, lies women believe, and we identified all these various lies. You would not be surprised at how many lies women have heard and how they have believed. And then we went one by one by one by one through each of those lies, and for every single one of them, we replaced them with the truth of scripture what God has really said. And so we remove those lies and we replace them with the truth of Scripture. Scripture speaks life. It is truth. Maybe you remove what you're listening to and you replace it with inspirational songs or messages or podcasts that honor God and that help us live more like Jesus. And if the Lord has prompted you to remove some activities, maybe now's the time to replace them with, like, find a prayer partner. Find a prayer partner who you can regularly spend time with, who you can say, help me with this, pray about this, maybe even hold me accountable on this. Or maybe you want to join a life group, people that can help you study the Word of God and can support you and pray for you and encourage you. Maybe you'd like to join a serving team. Sometimes we just get kind of drawn into stuff because we're not busy enough, really. We just need something to do. So join a serving team. Do something for others. Help a neighbor, serve a friend in need. Maybe this is time to establish, and I mean really establish, you know, your quiet time. What's quiet time gonna look like for you? When are you gonna do it, morning, evening? Where are you gonna have your quiet time? In this chair, in this place, maybe in the car? What are you gonna do with your quiet time? We have all kinds of plans around here that can help you to establish a regular time. And these are like maintenance things that help us to stay free. And so as we add all of these good and godly things that the Lord will bring to your mind, I know because I've experienced it and I've seen it in others, that joy comes. Because we chase away the darkness and we bring more light into our lives. The darkness goes away, joy returns, healing can be found, I've seen it work. And as we add these good and godly things and activities, another thing we do is we ask the Lord to redeem. Because here's what sometimes happens. Sometimes we look back and we say, wow, I really wasted a lot of time in the darkness. I really wasted a lot of money in the darkness. I really messed up some of my most important relationships. Here's the story. God can and he will redeem. He will redeem the time. He will redeem the money. I've seen him do it. He will mend and make whole and bring healing to those relationships that got messed up when we were in the darkness. I've always loved the redemptive stories throughout the Bible. We've looked at a lot of them through the years. But one that I love the most is the story of Joseph. You know the story of Joseph. He is the favorite son. He's sold into slavery. He uh, rises to be second in command in the land of Egypt. And then the brothers find themselves over here in Israel in a famine. And the only people that have money or have food are the Egyptians. Why? Because Joseph. And so they all go there, the brothers. And they have this moment, this dramatic moment, (laughs) when the brothers realize, that's Joseph. And Joseph realized, those are my brothers. And if you're reading for the first time, you think, what's going to happen here? What is going to happen here? Because these were the guys that intended for him to die. They sold him into slavery. And then we have this amazing moment in Exodus chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph says to his brothers, Brothers, you intended to harm me. And I always think there's like a dramatic pause there. And then he says these amazing words. But God. But God, he intended it all for good. And he brought me to this very position so that I could save the lives of of many, many people. What an amazing man Joseph was. With a heart of forgiveness and a redemptive story. Again and again, we see those kind of stories and God will bring freedom and healing and redemption to our lives. And don't be surprised that when you find freedom and stay free, that God might also bring some people into your lives who you also get the opportunity to share with and to comfort and to help and to cause them to also find freedom. He does that regularly. Again, again, And again. And so as we find freedom, then finally we come to this last step. And this is the last step. And I'd like to encourage you to receive restoration. To receive restoration. As we wrap up, I don't know if many of you knew this even happened to us, but in 2017, Greg and I went on a beautiful vacation with my folks. And it was one of the last trips that we had together, just the four of us, before my dad died. And we had a great trip. And we were gone for about, I don't know, 10 days. And we camped. You know, we're campers. And we go to these beautiful, beautiful places. And we went all through Colorado and Rocky Mountain National Park and places that we'd been and maybe they hadn't had a chance to. We went to the north rim of the Grand Canyon. And we camped literally on the edge. And we had so much fun. And it was just a beautiful time. And as we were driving home, we received news from our son, Joe, that uh, there had been uh, some significant damage in our home, that a water line that was broken in the ice maker, you know how this works, it had broken. There's a water line that goes to your ice maker, it broke, and then there was just water everywhere. And if you know our son Joe, he's pretty calm. <laughs> but, but he also is, you know, he's a construction guy. He, he works in, in management, and he understands construction. And I said, how bad is it, Joe? He said, it was significant, significant. <laughs> Significant damage. When we got home, it was significant. And I just thought, what in the world are we going to do? And one of the first calls we made was to service master. Have you ever heard of service master? They are wonderful people. And when they arrived, uh, I was kind of worn out, to be honest with you. I was just kind of emotionally depleted looking at my home. (laughs) And I had to say goodbye to my parents. I'd taken them to the airport. And I just looked at this guy, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. And he had a big smile on his face. And he said, hello, I'm with Service Master. And then, you know, to make sure he is, I kind of looked out and looked at his van. And under his van, the Service Master, it said, Restoration Services. <laughs> I like words. And I love that word, restoration. I practically hugged the guy. I said, come on in. We need you. And then for the next six to nine months, he, along with... Husband Greg and son Joe, they began this process of drying out our home, removing everything. Everything. They replaced many things until finally the home was deemed restored. It was restored. And you know what? When we got in there, it was actually better. It was actually better than it was before. It had been kind of updated. Our 1990 home now looked like it belonged in the 2000s. But it was a process. It was a difficult process, really, of watching things be torn out and being removed and thrown away in a dumpster in your yard for nine months. It was a difficult process. In the same way, when we walk in freedom, it's going to be a difficult process some days. I'm not saying that it's just all that easy. It can be and it will be a difficult process. But our Heavenly Father desires so much for us to find hope and to find healing that he's promised that he will walk with you. And again, I'm not saying that you won't have trouble. Jesus said, as long as you're here in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome. But until he comes, (laughs) we will still have some challenges But when we walk in freedom with the help of friends, with the help of the Holy Spirit, with the help of church people who love us and want us to, we can find and stay free over the fears and the anxieties and things that have governed our lives. I love what Paul says about this. This is my last scripture, Daniel. The last one I'd like to share with you in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, and we sang it today, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what is he? A new creation. The old is gone. It's in the dumpster. And the new has come. The new is here. And so this morning, we want for you to find freedom from these things. We want to help you to find restoration and to receive it in your lives. And so does the Lord. And so this morning, as we stand together, let's go ahead and stand together for prayer. I want to just invite you to be thinking about those in your life who maybe could benefit from this kind of message. I want you to actually think about yourself. And I want you to know that today would be an excellent day to decide, first of all, to be in Christ. If there's never been a day when you said, hey, I, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and I want to be on his team, and I want to declare that he is my Lord and my Savior. Today would be a good day to do that. You can come forward, and we'll help you do that. We'll help you to follow through in Christian baptism and to walk with Jesus. Or maybe today is just a day that you say, hey, you know what? I do have some of those hang-ups. I do have some of those fears. I do have some of that anxiety, and I just need the Lord's help in this. Would you pray with me? This is a good place to pray. We'd be happy to do that as well. And so just know that the Lord desires for us not to walk in bondage to these things, but he desires for us to be free. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so very much again for this day, for the opportunity that we have to come and to worship, to please you with our singing and our shouts of joy. We're thankful for the folks that are here and for the opportunity to see them and to be encouraged. And, Lord, I'm thankful for your word that speaks to me again and again and again. It is alive. It is sharp. And it teaches us, Lord, and reminds us that we are your children and that you are our God, the one who heals. And I just pray today for everyone here that if there are any areas in our lives that we have not yet surrendered, Lord, that you'd give us courage to do so that you give us courage to know that you are a loving Heavenly Father and that you desire for us to no longer be enslaved, but that you want to bring us out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. You desire for us to walk in freedom. Would you help us to do that by your Spirit? And then, Lord, would you help us to stay free by your church? Your church helps. And, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be the kind of church that encourages and strengthens our brothers and sisters in Christ. No condemnation but that we look to one another because we are in Christ and we find the help and the wholeness that we need. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege that we have of walking in freedom because of what Jesus did. And today we give him all honor and all glory and all praise for the sacrifice of his life that removed our sins as far as the East is from the West. And we pray today that you might renew a right spirit within us And that today we might walk with Jesus. And we pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming.